0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the highlight of human civilization. It's called Coffee with Scott Adams, and I'm pretty sure you're the happiest people in the world because you get to see this. Now, if you'd like to take your experience up to levels that nobody can even understand, all you need for that is a Cover a mug or a glass, a tank or a gels or a stein, a canteen jug, or a flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure. The dopamine at the end of the day. The thing that makes everything better it's called the simultaneous sip. And it happens now. Oh, I hope you all participated because it was good. It was good. Don't let people just tell you how it was. you got to be a joiner. I had a tragedy earlier. My first cup of coffee. I don't like to admit this, but I didn't have my coffee warmer on. Have you ever tried to take a big sip of coffee only to find out it was ice cold? And you go, Oh, yeah. If you're ready for it, it's okay. All right, let's talk football, a sport which I have almost no interest in. But, you know, it's a thing that's happening, so we'll talk about it. As you know, you can predict the winner of almost any major playoff game by looking at their mascots. Uh, In this case, last night, the Chiefs beat the Buffalo Bills. Yes, Chiefs beat Buffaloes every time. Yeah, Buffalo in a fight with a Native American... Probably would lose, probably would lose, unless, you know, unless the Native American had no spear. But I think there's a good chance that uh, the Super Bowl will be the Kansas City Chiefs versus the 49ers. Why do I say that? Well, San Francisco is just sort of it's sort of the it city at the moment, isn't it? And then the chiefs have Taylor Swift as a special interest story because you know she's dating one of the, the players. So doesn't it feel like the simulation or possibly whoever whoever's really running things is trying to set it up for a chiefs versus 49ers victory Does it seem to you that none of the it feels like it's all rigged? I don't think it is. i'm not making that accusation but but it the the outcome looks exactly like it's rigged. I'm not making that claim by the way. However, if it comes down to a contest between the Chiefs and the 49ers, who wins? Go. Chiefs and the 49ers, based entirely on the mascot. Who would win, a Chief or a 49er? Chief or a 49er? All right, let me break it down for you. Spear or shovel? Spear or shovel? Chief has a spear, 49er has a shovel. Who wins? Chiefs. Yeah, Yeah, it's got to be Taylor Swift. Because, you know, the thing we all care about is we want to see Taylor Swift hugging her boyfriend after a Super Bowl victory. We want to see him climbing all the way up through the other people, through the stands, and hugging our icon, Taylor Swift. I feel like everything just has to go that way because it just has to go that way. Do you have that feeling, too? Like none of it's real. It just sort of has to go that way, like, like we're dreaming it. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Anyway, now another backwards science. Backwards science. It's science that looks like it's forward, but it might be backwards. So there's a new study that suggests that teens um, who are more often on YouTube had higher levels of depression. So, what does that tell you? Does it tell you that YouTube makes you depressed? Because there are more people who are, more kids who are depressed on YouTube than the ones who are not. Or, or is it backwards science? Could it be that kids who are not so happy, don't have so many friends to hang out with, spend more time on their phone? (laughs) Which one is more likely? Both. That is correct. There's a good chance it's both. But certainly the biggest impact is that they didn't have something else to do. When you're playing with your friends, you're far more like, less likely to look at your phone at the same time. So here's the thing you need to know about science. If they had studied a bunch of random people who had never heard of YouTube, right? This is the way you would do the study if you did it the right way. You get some teens who had never heard of YouTube. Impossible. So first of all, you can't do the science. It's actually not possible to study this because you couldn't find anybody who had never used YouTube. And then you randomly pick half of those people and make sure you've got a much bigger group of people than the ones they studied. They studied like two to 300 people, maybe not enough. Maybe it is. You know, it's on the border of enough, I think. Um, but you should study people who had never heard of YouTube and then half of them randomly are put on and then you check them in two years and you find out if they're more depressed. Now, if you could do that, and then it was repeatable, you might have something. Here's what you can't do, this. (laughs) The very thing they did is the thing that even on paper doesn't work. You can't can't take people who have self-selected to watch a lot of YouTube and then look for a disease, (laughs) because the reason they self-selected that may have to do with their mental state. Right? If you can't untangle that, this is not real science. This is not even close to real science. So just remember that rule. If the people have already selected, self-selected in, you're not studying anything because yeah, you don't have any way to control it. Uh, it's, such, it's such a basic scientific concept that if you don't have a real control group, like a real one, <laughs> uh, the whole thing's garbage. Well, uh, AI 3D rendering is getting amazing. You know, know, of course, that 3D can make photorealistic pictures, and you knew that it could make photorealistic movies, but it would take a while to render them. But now we have, it looks like real-time, photorealistic video rendering. In other words, you could, if you were in virtual reality, for example, you had goggles on, you could walk into a house that had never existed, you know, a virtual house, that had never existed until you walked into it. And then it could build the house as you walk through the rooms, in real time, so that you would never be aware that it was building it before you got there. Do you know what that means? <laughs> if you haven't seen, I don't know how many times, uh, how many more hints you can get. We, we are absolutely a simulation. There is no way we're base reality. The fact that we're recreating a simulation that's perfect, and we're watching it. We're watching ourselves create a perfect simulation. Of course we're a simulation. <laughs> of course we are. <clears throat> the, the odds that we're base reality are just so small. So small. I mean, it's possible, but the, the odds are so much against it. Yeah. But as, as the, uh, I'll say the evidence mounts up, it's going to get funnier and funnier. It's kind of like watching the Democrats realize that they're the bad guys. <laughs> like the evidence just keeps piling up and piling up to the point where even Jamie Dimon can't take it anymore. Bill Maher's like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, it feels like that. Yeah, we're a simulation. Um, Elon Musk says he expects a billion humanoid robots by 2040, in the 2040s. A billion humanoid robots. That might be low. Uh, Amazon apparently has up to 750,000 robots working for it in its warehouses and whatnot. 750,000 robots. That's a lot of robots. <laughs> How long before a robot can drive a truck? I mean, maybe the truck can drive itself, but you still need the robot to get out and put it on your doorstep. The answer is today. That is correct. Not legally. But yes, I'm pretty sure a robot could drive a car today because all you'd have to do is put uh, Tesla's Tesla's AI into the robot because the car can already do it. So it wouldn't be hard to make a robot do it. When I say it wouldn't be hard, I mean, it wouldn't be hard for smart people, not for me. Um, 750,000 robots do you know how many cars there are for the people in the United States? Let's just give, our, give ourselves a uh, comparison. And of 100 people who are alive in the United States, how many cars are there? For every 100 people, how many cars? 70. <laughs> There's 70 cars for every human. Now, a lot of those humans are too old to drive and too young to drive. And there are still 70 cars for every, every person. So when Elon says there might be a billion humanoid robots in 2040, I feel like there's definitely gonna be more robots than people. Because our, our population is declining, we're not gonna need more people if the robots are doing the work. The, the whole point of getting married and having kids is becoming sadly uneconomical. So I think Elon's number is way small, maybe not small for 2040, But there will be way more humanoid robots than people. Would you agree? What do you think of that? Eventually, there have to be more robots and more cyborgs. Well, India has uh, made a goal of having a commissioning a nuclear power reactor every year. So India is going to spin up a nuclear power reactor one a year, and I think they can do it. Now, do you realize what good news this is for America. <laughs> this is one of those stories in another country where you say to yourself, ah, "Well, that doesn't affect us." Oh, it does. <laughs> oh, this affects us a lot. Number 1, uh, India is an alternative to China and you know for manufacturing, so they need powers, so that's good if you want an alternative to China. Uh, number 2, if they lead the way in in making uh, nuclear even safer than it already is and easier. Uh, There will be a whole bunch of Indian engineers who will become really good at nuclear power plants. Some of them might want to live in the United States because of our, you know, a productive relationship with India and their massive number of engineers. What we need in America might be some of those Indian engineers. So if India does well in nuclear power, I think that directly you know, spills over into America because we work with them very productively. So, great news. I mean, it's it's way bigger than you think it is. It just seems like a small story, but it might be a big story in the long run. There's a product being advertised called No More Colds. I'm not gonna tell you it works, because I wouldn't know that, but it's a little uh, device you stick to your nose on the outside, and it shoots light into your nose to kill viruses. That's right. There's a product on the market that you can buy that injects disinfectant into your body. (laughs) Do you love 2024 yet? I'm going to make you love it. 2024 is so lit, I've never seen anything like this. I feel like every story is just a gift. Like all the stories are just, oh, there's just something so delicious about all of them. Now, I'm not going to say this, you know, changes anything, but you talk about Trump being right. (laughs) Apparently, the difference between Trump being a crazy monster and being right about everything is three and a half years. Three and a half years between being crazy and right about everything. Just right about everything. So the big news last night is DeSantis has dropped out of the race. Um, I would like to... Uh, be serious for a moment, just for a moment. I love the fact that I live in a country that has a Vivek Ramaswamy and a Ron DeSantis. Because those two people really made me proud, honestly. They made me proud to be American. And honestly, that's that's been hard to come by. Because both of those people... I think, ran for all the right reasons. You know, everybody has personal ambitions, of course, but I think they ran for the right reasons. I think they, they were a credit to the Republican Party. I think they were a credit to the country. And I think everything that Ron DeSantis did, you could say it wasn't exciting as a campaign, but if you took Trump out of the mix, he would have been fine. <laughs> DeSantis didn't need to be more interesting than other politicians, he just had the highest bar anybody ever had, which was, all right, Ron, all you have to do is be more interesting than Trump. You'll do fine. Just, just be more interesting than Trump. That's all you have to do. Well, that's a pretty high bar. And people have emotional attachments to Trump that you, know, you can't overcome at this point. So the fact that DeSantis didn't hit Trump hard, the fact that he uh, is backing him unabashedly after pulling out, and even the timing of when he pulled out and how he did it and what he said, it was just pitch perfect. It honestly was. And so thank you um, and congratulations for, for doing something very good for the country. Now, here's, here's my big point. <clears throat> Individually, both men, uh, Ramaswamy and DeSantis, um, you know, they, they ran their race and they, they got out with honor. But they did something way bigger, way bigger. They legitimized Trump, mostly DeSantis because he was the more established politician. But what I mean was, if Trump had never had a legitimate primary uh, opponent, he would not look like the best candidate. He would look like the revenge crazy dictator, what's wrong with the Republicans, they're all crazy, is there, no, is there no Republican in the world who's saying it would be all that stuff? But here's what happened instead. Republicans took a year. They took a long, close look at the alternatives, including Nikki Haley. Not only did they look at them, they lived it, they breathed it, they, they ate it, they smelled it, they touched it, they kicked the tires. And when they were done, they said, thank you. Appreciate, appreciate the alternatives. We'll take Trump. That's so different than if he had run unopposed. Running unopposed would have made me really uncomfortable. Running opposed by, by such capable and patriotic uh, citizens really gives me a good feeling about the fact that the Republicans have um, took their time, looked at the options, did not did not really give DeSantis or Ramaswamy a hard time for competing against their, you know, beloved candidate. Let them run. Gave it gave them space. Let them do their thing. Th- this is like the most positive thing I've seen, I don't know, in years. DeSantis' uh, respectful and capable of leadership, um, and I think <clears throat> I'm going to say something that you're not going to want to hear. But I think that DeSantis' run was so honorable that uh, he's got to be the leading candidate for 2028. Now, I love my Vivek. I'll pro- I would probably back him if, if he decides to run in 2028. But I think DeSantis has, has basically, he did everything he should do, and I appreciate it. So, now, if some of you hate him. I get it. You're not going to change your minds. But uh, I just think he did well. So I wanted to say that. All right, Um, so Nikki Haley is now turning it into uh, more of a man-woman kind of thing, and she's saying uh, it's now one fella and one lady left. One fella and one lady. So she's pushing hard that, uh, let's see what she said. I think she said, uh, I have a vagina. Vote for my vagina. Oh, no, that's, that's not a direct quote. I'm paraphrasing I'm paraphrasing what she said was it's now one fella and one lady left because you know the thing I care most about is her vagina that's that's my top concern oh yeah policies look good but do you have a vagina right this is so non-republican to be selling her genitalia like uh, this is just not the right look she's in the wrong party for that anyway. Uh the uh, the person behind the libs of TikTok, uh, Chaya Reich, uh posted, I have yet to meet someone who is voting for Nikki Haley, have you? <laughs> now she's been saying this for a while, as have I. And uh I haven't. I haven't. I remember I told you there was a one person I knew, and that is somebody I hadn't even met in person, but one person that I've, you know, interacted with a lot. I would call him an online friend. Um Changed his mind. He was the only Nikki Haley supporter I knew, and he changed his mind. <laughs> so we'll see. All right. Uh, incredible. So Trump has been teasing on his choice of VP because it's what we all want to talk about. Who's your VP? Uh, and, and Trump is just the master of teasing the show, you know, the, the trailer to the movie without giving away the plot. So listen to his exact choice of words about the VP he was asked about. Quote, I may or may not really uh, decide uh, something over the next couple of months. There's no rush to that. It won't have any impact at all. (laughs) So he's basically saying his his VP choice won't make any difference. He's right. The person that I think I'd like is a very good person, a pretty standard. I think people won't be that surprised, but I would say there's probably a 25% chance there would be that person. (laughs) He's perfect. (laughs) First, he tells you he he may have made up his mind uh, and that it's a standard person. So that gives you like a little hint, a standard person, standard person. Who is it? Well, it's probably not Vivek. Would you call Vivek a standard person? No, he's a little extra. I I wouldn't call him a standard because he's not a lifetime politician. So, standard suggests to me somebody already in politics. Yeah, I mean, it's screaming Tim Scott, isn't it? Now, he says there's a 25% chance he might do it. it do, you, do you think uh, Tulsi would be standard? I don't think so. I think Tulsi's a little extra. Is Ben Carson standard? Mm, too boring. There, there's no way that Trump picks boring. I mean, he, well, no, I take that back. He picked Pence. Yeah, Pence was kind of boring. But I, don't, I, just, I just don't see Carson. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, but here's some related news. Tim Scott just got engaged. That's interesting timing, isn't it? Tim Scott got engaged and then immediately endorsed Trump, and then Trump says that he might be looking for a vice president who's, quote, pretty standard. What what are two words that you would use to describe Tim Scott as a politician? Pretty standard, <laughs> right? His whole problem is that he's a little too standard. There's absolutely nothing interesting about him uh, except his you know, shareholder uh, story, no, sharecropper story about his grandparents. So I think his, ver- his story is that his grandparents uh, were picking cotton And then, you know, two generations later, he's in the Senate, maybe running for president. And what I want is for the simulation that clearly we live in. Can you stop me if I told this joke already? Do you you know sometimes you, you remember thinking about a joke, but you don't know if you already told it? I may have told this in the man cave, but I'm going to lay it on you anyway, even if you've heard it. Tim Scott, he's most famous for his grandparents picking cotton and that he went from a cotton-picking family to running for president in two generations, so that's why America is great. Now, if he were ever to run for president again, and let's say he got the nomination, who would you want him to pick as his vice president running mate? Well, I would go with Tom Cotton, because then he's got a perfect story. In three generations, he went from picking cotton to picking cotton, boom, boom. Hello, yeah. I might vote for him just for the wordplay. Yeah, shut up about your policies. Let's hear that joke again. That was pretty good. That that picking cotton joke is really pretty, pretty good. So I'm going to vote for him if, if he if he goes with the double double cotton picking. The the cotton picking bookend strategy. I'm all in. So let me just say that in advance. I'm not saying he might be the best president. I'm saying if he can go with that, that's good enough for a cartoonist. I'm in. All right. I don't think Trump's going to pick Tim Scott. Um, But I do think he's not decided, so I'm sure there'll be lots more on that. All right, RFK Jr. continues to be fascinating, which doesn't mean I agree with all of his policies. But he does harp on this, and I say harp on it like it's bad, it's good. Um, chronic illnesses in the U.S. And I don't know why he can't get people to be interested in this. <laughs> I feel like I'm the only person interested in it. But but listen to what he says. There's a lot of truth behind it, but we don't know exactly. I don't, we don't know the reality, but but there's stuff we see. All right, here's what we see. Um, so he says, uh, RFK Jr. says, the chronic disease epidemic... Is now uh, 60% of our young people have some kind of chronic disease. Uh, It's the highest levels of neurological diseases, ADD, ADHD, speech delay, language delay, tics, Tourette's, ASD, and autism. He says in 70 year old men, the autism rate today is 1 in 10,000, but in kids, it's 1 in 34. How did it go from 1 in 10,000 to 1 in 34? Don't we need to look into that? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, These are just examples. And then uh, he said, uh, I had never heard of juvenile diabetes or rheumatoid arthritis or Crohn's disease or lupus as a kid. All of these uh, began around 1989. So 1989, something might have changed. So you can can track when all the badness started happening. Now, some are going to say it's because the, the vaccination schedules... Uh, but I don't think that's proven, and and I'm not sure that RFK Jr. thinks it's proven. I think he's he's saying just a smart thing, which is, all right, this is too big of a coincidence to ignore. Doesn't mean this is what's killing you. Uh, older older adults not diagnosed. Well, I thought about that that the older di- older ones were not diagnosed, but I lived. A long time without meeting anybody who was autistic or had Asperger's. I mean, my entire childhood, I never met one, I don't think. So, you know, observationally, they're everywhere now and they were nowhere when I was a kid. I don't remember. So, I don't know if we know why it's happening. What about obesity? Uh, obesity from 13% when uh, JFK was president to 42% today, and 75% are overweight. And then he says, did American kids suddenly get lazy? Well, yes. <laughs> yes, la- they did They did suddenly get lazy. That's right, technology and blah, 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 and crime and everything else. Uh, but I would add to his story, when I was in my 30s, mid-30s I think it was, I ended up in the emergency room with asthma that I'd never had before. That's right. I had adult onset asthma. And you know what the doctor said? You know, this didn't used to ever happen. You know, either you had asthma as a kid or you didn't have it. And if you had it as a kid, you might maybe grow out of it. I think that's a thing. I'm not sure. Some people. I may be talking beyond my level of knowledge there. But the doctor did tell me this wasn 't even a thing not many years ago, but now we 're seeing a a whole bunch of adults with asthma. Where'd that come from? Where'd all the peanut allergies come from? Yeah, looking at your comment so r f k jr is a hundred percent right that there's a major major problem that we're ignoring as a as a country. How would you like to see Trump um, put Put, uh, and by the way, RFK Jr. blames uh, regulatory capture. You know, He says the, the problem here is that uh, the, the regulatory agents are owned by the industry, so they're not actually regulating. Now, that could be. Now, imagine Trump being president and saying, <clears throat> RFK Jr., I'm going to give you a special job. Sort out what the problem here is and see if you can do something about regulatory capture. Because I feel like we could. I mean, regulatory capture feels like the easiest thing you could fix. You just change out the people (laughs) and just, you know, put in a rule that says you can't go work for the company you're regulating for at least 10 years or something like that. Now, it'd be a problem because in order to get people who understand the industry, you're going to get people entering government who someday do want to go back because that's exactly their expertise. You know, that industry they left to be in government for a while. So it'd be a problem but it's very solvable. Well, Jamie Dimon, the biggest banker in the country, once again said more on immigration. He said, if, if you do not control the borders, you are going to destroy our country. Uh, now that we're sending migrants to New York, all my super liberal friends realize what a problem it is. My goodness, <laughs> Texas and Florida, for the win, for the win. That whole shipping the migrants was genius. That was genius. Wouldn't you love to know whose idea that was? (laughs) Do you you think they simultaneously all had the same idea? There's somebody somewhere who was the originator of that idea. It wasn't the governors. No, it wasn't the governors. That, That stuff comes from smart people who make suggestions. I don't know where it came from, but there's somebody who changed the, um, probably changed the direction of the country, with one good idea. That when they heard it, they said, "Oh shoot, that's a good idea." Think about that. So you're 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 saying it was Ken Paxton, but I'll bet it wasn't. I'll bet it came from somebody below government. You want to bet? Uh, I don't think we'll ever know. Although I think I know. <laughs> I think I know because there's only one person smart enough to do it and pull it off, but I'll never tell you who it was, if I'm right. Um, Stephen Miller is a good guess. Yeah, that's not who I was thinking, but it's a good guess. Anyway, I'd love to know. So Jamie Diamond again, I'm going to give him a shout out as good citizen, good Democrat, good banker. Um, I love, I love this. Yeah, I feel like sense is breaking out everywhere. There's just a whole bunch of people acting like adults again. I feel like the adults are slowly coming back into the conversation, you know, Jamie Dimon being one. All right, uh, Rasmussen uh, asked people if they thought there was a, quote, catastrophe on the border. Uh, Is border security a, a catastrophe? So they actually used the word catastrophe. 58% Fifty-eight percent of likely voters said yes. Fifty-eight percent of the country said it's a catastrophe. <laughs> catastrophe, <laughs> and we're not be- we're not doing anything about it. And Democrats are like do 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 do. I-, I think the Republicans are largely worthless on that too. There's a mom who's suing DHS and HHS because a MS-13 member got into the country through our border security, or lack of it. And I'm not even gonna tell you what crime it did, but it involved her daughter. And so her daughter is dead and she's suing them. Now, can somebody give me a, a legal opinion? I didn't know you could sue these big government organizations for not doing their job. How is that, how's that even legal? They, they, she can't win, right? You know, people are saying you can, but I'm, why isn't everybody suing everybody in the government? Because you would always have, everybody has a reason. I mean, I can sue the government for 10 different reasons. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little confused. It's like, why is Cenk uh, Uyghur running for president when he's a naturalized citizen? Which, by the way, I have great respect for anybody who's a naturalized citizen. You know, you went through the trouble, you passed the test. You're, you're American plus, you know, better than an American because you took the test <laughs> and, and you chose to be here. I was just born here. I didn't even take a test. So the, the naturalized citizens, I have great respect for. Um, but he's running for president. <laughs> Nobody told him he can't be president. I don't know. it's just weird. Anyway, so I've told you before that the most predictable uh, thing for predicting the future is not just follow the money, but follow the insurance money, right? Follow the money will get you a long ways into understanding the world, but follow the insurance money, and you're really going to know something. <laughs> now, uh, where that breaks down is if when the insurance company tells you there's excess deaths, and they can't explain it because it's in their interest to tell you there are excess deaths so they can charge you more. So I wouldn't believe that. But I would believe if they make other kinds of adjustments. You have to, you have to look at them individually. So if this mom succeeds in suing the uh, government, wouldn't other moms do the same? So I, I, I don't know how there could be a story on this without saying that it's possible to sue the government or that it's not possible. That, to me, that was the main part of the story. Is it possible? Yeah, I see you yelling sovereign immunity, but other people are saying it doesn't exist. So I'm not. I'm not going to be able to solve this here. Anyway, if she succeeds, then it would be a thing. If she does, if it's not, if she can't sue them and get away with it, then it never will be a thing. All right. Um, let's see. End Wokeness reported that on the X platform. Um. Nikki Haley says that she has experienced discrimination. So not only does she have a vagina, which is a big selling point, she wants you to know, but uh, she's, she's also got some experience with discrimination. For example, it was pretty bad. I mean, uh, I, I was unaware of the struggle, <clears throat> but apparently she had it really bad when she was a kid. She says, if you wanna know what it was like growing up, oh, here it comes, can you get ready? This might be a little rugged for you, so prepare yourself. I might st- I might start crying before the end of this. It's so sad. <clears throat> I'm gonna try to keep it together. I was I was disqualified from a beauty pageant because I wasn't white or black because they didn't know where to put me. <laughs> Ellie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Now, um, I did not just, you know, I'm lucky being a white guy that I didn't have to suffer any of this discrimination. In fact, um, I was far too ugly to be considered for any beauty contests, and I have a, a penis, which used to be disqualifying. It's not, not anymore. In the modern world, that wouldn't stop me a bit. And in fact, even being unattractive wouldn't have stopped me in the modern world. (laughs) But back then, the discrimination against me was terrible. They say, you can't get in that beauty contest, Scott. You're not a man, or I'm sorry, you're not a woman. And you're not attractive. Those are two hits against you, yeah. And so I said to myself, well, at least I won't be discriminated in employment for being a white guy. Sure, maybe I can't be in the beauty contest, but once I hit that employment market, wow, I could be jumping over the heads of all the poor brown people who couldn't possibly compete with my white supremacy. But what happened instead was I lost five separate careers because I was white and male. You've all heard the story, so I don't have to reiterate them. So here's my recommendation. If you're complaining about the discrimination of your youth and you can't get it up to a level that's worse than mine, white guy in America, you don't have a fucking thing. <laughs> you don't have anything. You're shooting blanks <clears> there. <throat> so, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm so sorry about your terrible experience with the beauty pageant. Jesus Christ. All right, let's talk about Alex Soros, who tweeted an article from The Atlantic. Now, there are two versions of how to understand this story. One is that Alex Soros is the mastermind behind what I'm going to explain. Or two, he is the dupe who didn't realize that he was being used, all right? So the thing he he posted was from The Atlantic, now, the Atlantic is not a real publication. I don't know if it ever was. But it's basically a Democrat organ to say bad things about Republicans and good things about Republicans, uh, Democrats. So, But I think they've taken it to a new level because here's what Alex Soros said in his post, and then I'll describe it. Um, well, what, it, what he said was that the, the Atlantic article shows... That the arguments that crime was out of control and inflation was out of control have been blown apart because crime is falling, he says, you know, based on the Atlantic. I don't think that's true. Maybe murder is down, but not property crime. Um, and he says that uh, inflation is down. So, as Alex Soros points out, and here's the part I agree with when he says that the reasons for the inflation must not have been true, because those reasons didn't change, but the inflation did. Is he wrong? The reasons given for our inflation were all the debt and money printing, mostly debt and money printing. But the debt and money printing are still there, but the inflation is down. So Alex Soros says, whatever you thought was the cause of the inflation must have been wrong, because those causes still exist, they're worse, our debt is higher, but the inflation is down. Does he have a point? Is Alex Soros correct? He's got a PhD. He's not, you know, good at education. Went to uh, got his PhD from Berkeley. That's where I got my MBA. Um, he's actually kind of right. <laughs> he's right. Here, here's what I can tell you. All right, I've got a degree in economics and I've got an MBA from the same school that Alex Soros got his PhD, Berkeley. I'm pretty sure that nobody understands economics. Not me. And I observe that nobody else seems to either. Because if we don't know why inflation went down, we don't know anything. (laughs) And if we couldn't predict that it would go down, given that every force we understood to make it go up you know, except for maybe supply chain stuff. Uh, I don't think that <laughs> you're both... Fi- the, the people who think they do understand economics are the dumbest, because there, there are people telling me that uh, both uh, Soros and I don't understand economics. Well, you're right about that, but if you're hallucinating that you do, and all the ec- economists in the world are confused, but you've figured it out, the problem might be on your end. You might be an example of what I'm talking about. Yeah, it sounds like a Dunning Kruger situation there. Somebody's an expert on economics. Anyway, um, that's not the main story. So I do agree with him on his point that whatever we thought about economics was probably wrong. Uh, or there's a trick. Maybe our inflation numbers are just made up. But whatever's going on, there's a, there's a thing we don't understand. And we really don't understand it. Not the left, not the right. Just nobody. Because none of it makes sense. Unless the numbers are just made up, which is possible. All right. But the bigger story is that the image that came with the Atlantic article that Alex Soros posted showed two pictures side by side. One was a bullet hole through a window or through glass. And the other was uh, a hand holding a bunch of dollar bills. If you added up the currency in the hand, it added up to 47, $47. 47, next to the bullet hole. Do you see it? What's 47? Does that have any meaning to you? That will be the number of our next president, likely Trump. But you say to yourself, well, that's a coincidence. Except you look at the numbers that are on the two first bills. There's, there's some kind of number that's like in the middle of the bill. Yeah. And it adds up to 45. Now, I'm not going to say that the Atlantic knew that that added up to 47. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But that would be the biggest coincidence in the world, wouldn't it? that at the very time we suspect the Democrats are putting out the word to assassinate Trump, that the Atlantic, the very entity you would think would be behind such a horrible, horrible thing if such a thing ever happened, hypothetically, that is so on the nose, and then Alex Soros is the one who is posting it? How do you explain that? (laughs) Let me tell you my hypothesis. It's not too on the nose. It's exactly what it looks like. That's my hypothesis. My hypothesis is that the intelligence entities, probably in this country, I assume it's this country, um, know how to prime the public to assassinate a president. You just have to put the idea out there. And it looks to me like this was a a signal to the Democrats to put the idea out there. Uh, It wasn't necessarily a bad signal for somebody specific to be an assassin. It looks like it's the beginning of what you're going to see will be a whole bunch of imagery and conversation around it. Because if you talk about it enough, you can you can basically will it into existence. I think we all know that the reason there's so many mass shootings is because we've heard of other mass shootings. We all agree with that, right? The people who have done mass shootings have all heard of mass shootings. That's not a coincidence. So it does feel like it's exactly what it looks like. This does look like a call from our intelligence people to assassinate Trump. That's what I, in my opinion, that's what this is. Now, I can't prove it, but it has every signal of it. And the, the people who are in our intelligence groups would understand persuasion at least as well as I do. And if you understand persuasion, it's kind of s- staring you right in the face. There's no way this is an accident. <laughs> I mean, it would be such a coincidence. Such a coincidence. Right. <laughs> Not only that, but one of, the, one of the bills was a silver certificate. When was the last time you saw a dollar bill that said silver certificate on it? Have you ever seen one? Very rare. Oh, you have one, right? But do you think that when somebody picked up a handful of bills to take a photograph, do you think that they had a silver certificate laying around and they just saw, I'll just put it in the mix? Uh, What's made of silver? Silver bullet. Silver bullet. I mean, you think bullet when you hear silver. Silver bullet. So, in this one image, the, the two side by side, there's a bullet hole. There's silver on a dollar that shouldn't be there. You know, it would be very unusual. It adds up to 47, and the numbers on the bill are 45. And it's coming from the Atlantic. That's a lot of coincidences. <laughs> I, I'm going to rate this not a coincidence. And in the context that we know the uh, January 6th stuff was an op, we watched the Patriot Front people getting ready for Charlottesville 2.0, as Alex Jones tells us, is coming. Oh, and it is. That's obviously an op. Charlottesville was obviously an op, in my opinion. Obviously an op. And most of the actions against the president from the uh, Russia collusion, which was an op. Um, And then we look at how many people... Our country has killed in other countries, assassinated other leaders, quite a few. Then you look at the information about uh, the JFK assassination. CIA was involved, but rogue right-wing elements. No, every part of this looks legitimate to me. Every part of it looks legitimate. Legitimately like they put the head out. That's what it looks like. Now, I think that Alex Soros is more likely um, a puppet of something larger. But I don't know what. I don't believe that the Soroses are the top of the pile. I believe that they're acting under instruction or pressure or incentive from some other entity that's bigger than them. So you have to ask yourself, what's bigger than Soros? Now, if you say, well, China... I think Soros was kind of anti-China, wasn't he? Because that one doesn't fit. And I don't think Soros was pro-Putin, right? And it wouldn't make sense if he had some kind of Israel connection because Israel doesn't want to destroy the United States. Yeah. So I don't know who, but to me it looks like there's somebody above the Soros organization, yeah, it has that look about it, but I, you know, it's just a hunch. All right, um, Ibrahim uh, Kendi, you know, he's the force behind CRT, DEI stuff. Um, he said, you know, he posted how important it is to make sure that we don't stop teaching about slavery, because I guess some kids are not getting the message in school. But I responded to him, and I said, if you teach kids economic strategies, you raise happy winners, I'm paraphrasing myself. Uh, But if you teach kids about the horrors of slavery and horrors of the past, you get basically angry losers. So you have a choice. Focus on economic strategy, which if I were a poor black kid, my economic strategy would be to get good grades, get scholarships, get into college easily, and with a college education, have a job at any major corporation I wanted because they are favoring diversity so i would teach black kids hey did you know that you have the better path and they would say what no way everybody told us we're descendants of slaves and there's uh, the systemic racism i say yeah that's all true it is that's all true but uh, the government carved down a path for you that's like a, a express lane you don't have to worry about any of that you've got an express lane just get in it what do i have to do do well in school and then college will take care of itself because they'll, they'll be begging for you. And then the, co- the corporations will be begging for you once you have a degree. So not only will the government pay for your education, but they're strong-arming the uh, companies to make sure you're on the top of the list. So your economic strategy is way better than white people, but different. Their economic strategy might be, you know, get a job with my uncle, et cetera. So they should do their strategy and you should do your strategy, but they're not the same. Then everybody does well, you know, or at least more people would do well. So uh, here's the other part that is real systemic uh, racism. If you're a typical uh, white male, the odds that you've met at least one other successful white male who could give you advice is pretty good. There's probably somebody in your circle who's done better than other people and that you know, they can walk you through. But I'll bet you there's a lot of poor black kids who literally don't know a successful person except for drug dealers and athletes maybe. So, so to me, the biggest problem in the black community is systemic racism, but in the form of the teachers' unions that are making the, the schools terrible and in the form of not producing qualified leaders for the black community. So Ibram Kendi is, is probably a good egg. I mean, I, I don't think he means bad for the world, but he's clearly not capable or qualified to help the black community. In fact, he's making it worse, in my opinion. So I think that's the case of systemic racism. If, you're, if your community doesn't already have a bunch of successful people you don't have the mentors and the leaders to, to lift up the rest of you. You, know, you say you're not convinced he's a good guy? Well, I don't know either way, but I would make, I, I'm going to make the generous assumption that given the area he's working in, you know, obviously everybody has career ambitions, but I, da- I doubt he's evil. <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah, can't rule it out. So if you focus on the systemic racism that uh, black kids don't have good mentors and leaders, and they also don't have a good school system, they really can't make it out. With, with those two things working against you, you don't have a chance. You don't have a chance. You gotta fix the school and fix the mentors, whether that's fathers or somebody else. But no, there, there's no chance of success. So how, did the, uh, how's th- how are things going? Well, the, uh, the In N Out in Oakland just closed. It was doing great business, but there was too much crime and cars being broken, the employees were being robbed and stuff. So, Oakland's going to lose all food. Let me ask you this If you were a food provider in Oakland, would you stay? <laughs> would you? I mean, if you could get out, wouldn't you get out as soon as you can? I would. So get away from Oakland. They're not going to have food to buy pretty soon. Uh, so did you hear the story about... Did I tell this about the uh, the hacker technical expert who in a court demonstrated to the judge that he could hack a... I think it was a Dominion or it was a tabulator. And he hacked it with a pen. But here's the best part. Did I say this yesterday? Because there are a few things I say in my man cave that I do separately that I can't remember if I've already said. But, the, uh, so, so I, I'm just going to add something to it if I already said this. So imagine, if you will, this demonstration in front of a judge. He actually used a pen, just you know, pushed a couple of things on the outside of the thing, and it and went into safe mode, which allowed him to control the data. <laughs> With a pen. But here's the best part of the story. He borrowed the pen from somebody so that he got to say, Can I borrow your pen? That's the greatest, one of the greatest moments in court history. Can I borrow your pen? Oh man, that's good. And, and the fact that he didn't bring a pen with him, <laughs> that makes it twice as good because he knew he was going to do it, don't you think? He knew he was going to do it. He knew it would take a pen and he didn't bring one. That's just so good. I mean, maybe he had one, but it's way better if you say, can I borrow your pen? Now, let me give you an image in your head that I'm not gonna say it's gonna happen, but I want you to just delight in imagining it, okay? Just your imagination. Imagine uh, uh, Imagine this is reproducible. So first of all, I don't know if this story is accurate and true. I don't know if there's anything about that special device that he put the pen on. You know, may, maybe we'll find out it's not true. So this is just for fun and just in your imagination. Imagine it's reproducible, and Trump invites that guy or, or somebody else to do that demonstration at a rally. And He does it right in front of the rally crowd. And then Trump says, can I try that? And then they reset the machine back to its original state. And then Trump takes the pen and he hacks the machine with a pen while you watch. Now, before you do that, you want to make make sure you have the crowd all microphoned. Yeah, have them all mic'd up. Because you don't want to miss a thing. I want to see the picture of the Trump rally crowd watching him hack a tabulator with a pen. Just picture in your mind, they would wet themselves. They would have spontaneous orgasms. They would be completely wet from the waist down. They would be high-fiving and hugging each other, screaming and laughing, and it would be the best thing you ever saw in your life. And that would be the third act. Now, you say to me, probably, but Scott, that doesn't prove anybody hacked any machines. It doesn't. It doesn't mean the election was rigged. It doesn't. But how would that make you feel? (laughs) It would tell you that we don't know. So it wouldn't tell you that anything happened in 2020 that was illegal. It would just tell you that you can't tell. And if you can't tell. That's really the end of the story. You don't need to ask any more questions. If you can't tell who won. There's a reason. because we know how to make an election where you can tell. We know how to do that. So if you can't tell, I'm gonna make make the uh, obvious assumption that voting machines are only for the purpose of cheating because their other benefits are non-existent. They cost more, they're less credible, and they, they cause some questions about accuracy. There's no other reason. Other countries use paper ballots and everything's happy and everybody's fine. And I'm sure it costs less. All right, well, we'll keep an eye on that. I make no allegations about any specific company or machine to avoid lawsuits. Uh, Have you seen Trump's impression of Biden? So he's done a few impressions before. He's done Biden walking, but now he's done Biden reading. And what I'd like to see is uh, Trump doing a Sort of a sort of like you know how uh, big comedians will do a bunch of acts in small clubs to get ready for their Netflix special, right? So they, they're, they're just testing things out small until they're really hone their act, and then they do a Netflix special. Well, I'd love to see Trump keep working on his Biden impressions until he gets into a debate with Biden. In the, in the final uh, days. And I'd love to see Trump just treat that like his Netflix special and just start breaking out his impressions of Biden and watching Biden just seethe as he's doing impressions of him, like, oh, oh. And then make Biden so mad, because Biden would probably get dementia mad, you know, if he could trigger his dementia anger. And then I imagine the two of them up there behind lecterns and uh, Biden decides to make a run at Trump, like, and and I'm going to give my own Biden impression of Biden attacking Trump during a debate. And it goes like this. You bastard, I'm going to get you. I'm coming for you. Uh, I'm almost there. So that would be my perfect day. Just watch him rushing, rushing Trump. And then I imagine Trump seeing him coming at slow robot speed and just putting his hand on, on Biden's head and looking for security. He's like, could, could somebody do, is there anybody, could you take care of this? And Biden would be like, huh, huh, you're uh, like, okay, okay. So that's what I imagine. Right. Um, let's say O'Keefe has a, a new video on uh, the so called bird doggers that Clinton's campaign hired during uh, the Clinton versus Trump era. And apparently there's undercover video and a direct explanations of the entire network of bad actors that were hired to disrupt Trump rallies now how many of you didn't know that they were sending people to disrupt his, his rallies because now they've got the actual actors the people the the entire network of how it was done it's all on it's all in video now so everything you thought about Clinton's dirty tricks from the Russia collusion which was all planned apparently by the Obama's and Biden and everybody else, all the way to the dirty tricksters they were sending to the rallies to make it look like the rallies were dangerous and chaotic. Everything you thought was happening, they were, in fact, doing. So you don't think they would assassinate him? They absolutely would. Yeah, it it is well within the realm of the actions that we've seen recently. Um, How about uh, this? So you want to hear some more dirty tricks? So the Blaze investigation did a great job. Good job, the Blaze, Glenn Beck and and, uh, his folks. And they found out that there was a missing video of the Oath Keepers and their interactions with uh, the security on January 6th. Now, the Oath Keepers... Give me a fact check here, because I may have some facts wrong. The Oath Keepers, I believe, were among the people sentenced to prison for their January 6th involvement. But... The Oath Keeper said that in one key point that was subject to their trial, that they were actually protecting uh, a member of uh, Pelosi's security detail and that they weren't attacking him. They were doing the opposite. They actually formed a line, they said, between um, Pelosi's security guy and the angry crowd and actually kept the crowd at bay. Now, that was their claim, but in court... Uh, There was the person they said they were protecting, and did protect, who said it didn't happen. So they protected his life, and then he lied to put them in jail. Let me say it again. They protected his life, he knew it, and then he lied to put them in jail. And they're in jail. Now we have the video. We have the video, finally, and the video shows them very clearly protecting him. They weren't even facing him. They were facing the crowd and they'd formed a line to protect him. Now, it wasn't just um, you know, hearsay, my word against yours. There was another witness. The other witness was a Capitol Police officer uh, named Lazarus who claimed he also saw the event, he witnessed it himself, And he saw that those Oath Keepers were being confrontational, not protecting him. So he lied. He lied. So there were two liars that put people in jail who were trying to protect their lives. Just just keep that in your mind. Now, ask me if you think that uh, the Democrats would assassinate Trump. They just put in jail the people who were protecting their lives, and they knew it. There's no confusion here. They were completely aware that these guys protected them. (laughs) And they put them in jail by lying. And now now the video in the video shows it pretty clearly. Now, apparently, there are a whole bunch of deleted January 6 files that the uh, committee that was looking into it did all the interviews, etc., and about half of them they deleted. when they were, and, and they were deleted right around the time they were asked for, which is not a coincidence. Do you believe that those deleted files would show more fuckery among the Democrats? Of course you do. And yes, of course it does. It's exactly what it looks like. Nobody accidentally deleted something. Yes, there is a huge crime on January 6th and it was the Democrats. A huge crime. In fact, uh, I'm pretty sure that when Trump gets elected, he's going to free all the people illegally jailed and probably put a lot of the people who organized this deceit in jail. They should be. I mean, it looks like there's a pretty good case for putting Pelosi in jail. It <clears throat> seems to me. I mean, her her involvement in this is so suspicious that I think it has to be analyzed. And if she really did um do anything to prevent any greater security and if she was behind getting her detail to lie do you think that that guy who's under security detail lied just on his own do you think he just decided he would be a liar or does it sound like something that maybe somebody suggested he should do like his boss well he could have done it on on his own so i don't know i wasn't there but everything about Pelosi looks dirty to me. And Joy Reid continues to be entertaining in how embarrassingly stupid she is. So on MSNBC, she was interviewing uh, a woman who's trying to get some books taken out of school because they're they're too sexual. And so she was talking to the, to the Moms for Liberty co-founder, and she said, you know, Basically, she challenged her why these books should be banned. Now, Joy Reid calls it banning books. Everybody who's not a fucking idiot calls it not showing porn to children. Because <laughs> that's all it was. They're not banning, like, books. They're banning porn in school. Um, so the, so basically, uh, it was such a ridiculous um, attack that Joy Reid ended up accidentally supporting uh, books about rape and pedophilia in schools. (laughs) She's so ridiculous and so stupid that that she couldn't even find the angle of attack here. She just basically put herself on the side of pedophiles. Good work there. Um, (laughs) And then Megyn Kelly uh, was mocking her and said, this idiot, meaning uh, Joy Reid, uh this idiot actually wanted to know what expertise tiffany justice that was the mom for uh mom's for liberty uh, has to object to minors in school reading about strap-on dildos and incestual pedophilia yeah you better get the expert to tell you if that should be in school all right meanwhile uh, unusual wales says that it looks like there's going to be a bunch of rate cuts rate cuts from the fed and again can somebody explain to me how they cured inflation? Like none of it makes sense. Am I wrong? Like none of it makes sense. How in the world do they cure inflation? And now that they're going to, they're going to lower their uh, interest rates because I guess they're done battling inflation. None of it makes sense. But how many of you believe that interest rates would be lowered in the election year? Yeah. If you were going to take bets, there was a 100% chance that interest rates would be going down in the election year, 100% chance. How did I know that? Well, prior to this happening, I explained that it would happen to a young person when I was talking about investing. I said, oh, yeah, it's it's an election year, so the stock market's going to be up, the interest rates will be down, and none of it's real. And then it happened right in front of her, and she was kind of impressed. Well, um, hmm. so it looks like uh, the rabbit hole is reporting on X that about 20% of Americans between 18 and 29 think the Holocaust is a myth. Which is weird because I thought it would be 25. I really thought it would be 25%. But it's 20 so does it look to you like Hamas is winning in, uh, in the Israel? Because winning for them looks different. Winning for them would be to destroy the reputation of Israel so they have less international support and surviving, you know, even with massive casualties. And it started to look like Hamas is getting what they want. Uh, and in order for them to not get what they want... Netanyahu would have to look like the biggest monster in international history by being, you know, super tough. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. There was one other detail I wanted to tell you. There was another uh, survey. This was also Rasmussen. Um, How many people think, who were polled, think that uh, there's not a crisis at the border? Not a crisis. What do you think is the percentage of that? Uh, let's see. So the question would be, uh, <laughs> how many people agree with this or disagree with this? So this was the question from Rasmussen. Quote, since his first day in office, President Biden has worked to systematically undermine America's border security. The result is a humanitarian and national security catastrophe. Well, there was you know, the usual bunch of people who said yes but the people who, quote, strongly disagreed. Oh, how did you all guess correctly before I even finished the question? Yeah, 25% said that that Biden is not systematically degrading border security, (laughs) even though he's obviously systematically degrading border security. All right, that, ladies and gentlemen, brings me to the conclusion of the best live stream you're going to see today. I think everything's uh, going in a funny direction. Even though there's plenty of bad stuff happening, it all happens in the context of craziness and funny. Still waiting for those UFOs. Any day now, they're going to trot out those UFOs, which are totally fake. Um, Everything in the news is fake. All the data is fake. All the news is fake. All the news presenters are fake. How do I know? Well, here's another sign that things are moving in the right direction. (laughs) So when DeSantis dropped out of the race... He announced it on the X platform. He didn't go to the regular news. (laughs) That's all you need to know. The regular news is... I I haven't... I talk about the news continuously, but I almost never leave uh, X now. I used to look at the major news sites, and now they're just so ridiculous. If it's not on X, I don't care about it because X picks up the other stuff that's interesting. (laughs) UFOs are real, they're just mushrooms, somebody says. All right, uh, everybody on uh, these platforms, YouTube and uh, Rumble and X, uh, if you have a possibility, hit the subscribe button, that'd be great, and the alerts, so that we can see more of you. Thanks for joining, I appreciate it. I'll see you same time tomorrow.